0: It is time once again for another episode of the Silver Bullets podcast. I'm Michael Citro. And I'm Chip Minnick. And Chip, the the bye week is in the rearview mirror now. And Ohio State goes back to Big Ten play, starting with undefeated Maryland. And uh, Chip, I don't know if you know this or not, but this is the fifth opponent of the year and the fifth undefeated opponent Ohio State is playing this year.
1: I was not aware of that. I'm glad that you brought that up. If anything, as I as excited as I am for Ohio State to resume uh, after the bye week, one of the things that I'm going to be very very eager to see is uh, how, what, like, what kind of development has taken place, you know, after the bye week. I'm sure that there were things that the coaches uh, want to work on, and uh, you know, October presents its own series of challenges. Uh, first and foremost, with Maryland, but I think. Uh, you know, this this next month is going to really give us a better idea as to where Ohio State stands, not only within the Big Ten, but on the national landscape, because I think by the end of October, we'll have an idea if Ohio State can can truly stand up in the national championship race. Uh,
0: I'm not sure if you got to see the game, but uh, Notre Dame, of course, recovering from the loss to Ohio State against Duke and they really had a, a fight on their hands and in the end duke had an opportunity but they duked it and uh, <laughs> Notre Dame escaped uh, it almost made that win over Notre Dame look look not as good but uh, Notre Dame avoided uh one team beating them twice and duke's no slouch they're uh they, they've got a good quality football team and they were at home so uh there were a lot of ingredients there that could have derailed Notre Dame's season right there
1: I agree. I, I also believe that that Notre Dame is not only a, a good team, but I, I also believe that Duke is a, is a good team. I think that Mike Elko, as a head coach, is one of these guys that, no disrespect to Duke, but I'm sure that he will be the target of many programs in the offseason uh, for the job that he has done at Duke, which is traditionally not a very competitive football program. The fact that Duke was... Um, undefeated, the fact that ESPN Game Day was there, I think, kind of speaks volumes about the job that he is doing. And you're right. I mean, Notre Dame almost let Ohio State beat them twice. I think Notre Dame is. I said this on our last show, and I nothing even with the the shaky win over Duke, nothing has changed my mind. I think that Notre Dame is well positioned to get themselves back in the national championship discussion, simply because the rest of their schedule, I, I think, it sets up very well for the Fighting Irish.
0: Yeah. All right, uh, so a few things uh, we're gonna get to here at the start of this show. I want to talk a little bit about uh, some black stripes coming off some helmets, and uh, we had a we had a couple of them in the uh, the past uh, week. As um, one of them is uh, was quarterback Lincoln Keenholz who uh, lost his black stripe. That
1: was, I guess, I'm gonna just say that was a pleasant surprise in the sense that. Uh, I will freely admit, if there was going to be a Lincoln Keenholz sighting, I anticipated it being earlier this season when some of the games that probably most Ohio State fans thought were easier on the schedule. That's not to say that Lincoln Keenholz couldn't possibly make maybe a one or two um, snap appearance. Uh, we've seen it before, in, mm-hmm. you know, in in games uh, in in conference play. Uh, we've heard nothing but positive results, uh, about since he enrolled, uh, in the summertime, very, uh, tremendous all around athlete, uh, from what I understand, a great baseball player, basketball player. And I think that he's, he's been doing a tremendous job on the scout team as, uh, you know, the, the opposition quarterback for the upcoming opponents for the defense. So congratulations to Lincoln Keenholz
0: and uh black stripe coming off the helmet of defensive lineman. Um, Um, Sorry, Jason Moore. I was blanking on the first name for a second there. Uh, Freshman defensive lineman, Jason Moore, uh, getting the black stripe off as well. So uh, a couple this week. uh, And it's always good for those guys to become official Buckeyes.
1: Right. I mean, it's it's one of these things. The one thing, and this is just maybe just my opinion. I'm not sure if, if you have a comparable opinion, if our listeners have a comparable opinion. Whenever I watch those videos, and CJ Barnett, who is the one who's doing the announcing of the videos, the Black Stripper. The first thought that comes to my mind is, man, I I can't imagine what what CJ Barnett, what his what his throat must feel like at the end because he's just basically <laughs> screaming. I'm thinking like, I just want. I wonder like what kind of throat lozenge consumption he goes through because it just <laughs> seems like the 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 screaming of it, the, the enthusiasm that he has for it. But it's great. I mean, it's one of these things that i I've, I've i've shared some of the videos uh with my wife or uh my sons you know just to kind of give them an idea that yeah these guys like you said that they are now official buckeyes in the sense that if there had to be a game moment uh, that the coaches would not hesitate to put them in now granted i don't know how much they would play but the fact that they've kind of elevated themselves in the eyes of their peers and their mm-hmm. coaches to be able to be considered official Buckeyes.
0: I believe that takes the total to 28 black stripe removals since uh, since the spring, if I'm not mistaken, since, uh, since uh, late March. But um, yeah, a lot of people getting their stripes off, and uh, it's good to see.
1: Absolutely. Always is.
0: All right, Uh, another thing we could talk about, uh, Chip, is the schedule. Uh, Some future schedules have been dropping, and there's been some interesting uh, names added uh, in 2027 and 2028. We have added New Hampshire in 27 and Northern Illinois in 2028 to the non-conference schedule. So uh, now what that 2027 non-conference schedule looks like is Bowling Green, New Hampshire and Alabama, and in 2028, Buffalo, Alabama, and Northern Illinois.
1: I like the the way that you put it. Interesting. I will. I am. I am just parsing my words here. And <laughs> I. I. I apologize. No disrespect to Coach Day. I know that that is his alma mater, and I understand that getting New Hampshire uh, a lucrative payday will pay substantial dividends for their their program. I'm sorry, but I'm of the opinion that Ohio State should never, ever play an FCS opponent. I'm not backing away from what I said earlier this year when Ohio State played Youngstown State. I just am of the opinion that FCS opponents, it, it does nothing for Ohio State. If anything, it just adds fuel to the fire, to the detractors. Now, I will say that, I'm, I'm also, I, I wrote an article about this for Land Grant Holy Land earlier this summer, like my ideal schedule, a lot of what you talked about in those future upcoming schedules kind of represents that where uh, there is usually some kind of a Mac opponent. My preference is always like an in-state Mac opponent, like a Miami of Ohio or an Ohio U or Toledo, but I. I am, I'm glad to see Ohio State playing a Mac opponent as well as you mentioned the fact that they're going to be playing Alabama mm-hmm. um, but those th- I think that that's that's a good thing. I think Ohio State should always play a a premier non-conference opponent as well as at least hopefully one in-state MAC opponent on a yearly basis.
0: Yeah, and that that home and home with Alabama is uh, it's easier it's easy to sweep that under the rug when you go oh I can't believe they scheduled New Hampshire. But I mean, they did. They do have Alabama on there. Um Bowling Green uh in 27 northern Illinois in 28 so they got the Mac they got a couple of Mac schools in 28 to go with that, that trip to Alabama uh so you know not uh not too bad and of course you don't you don't see any mercers or Wagners on there
1: exactly <laughs> uh, like I said it it's it's just my opinion and I I I'm sure that Gene Smith or somebody from uh the scheduling arm, for Ohio State Athletics could probably give me a well deserved education in terms of the difficulties of scheduling because from what i understand that as fans of course you know you have somebody like chip Minnick saying i can't believe that they're playing an fcs opponent and i don't know about the difficulties and the challenges associated with getting teams that have an open date are willing to come up to columbus uh the the fact that From I I seem to recall reading this somewhere else that a lot of these schools now, they kind of, they realize they're kind of in the catbird seat that, uh, yeah, they need the money for their, for their programs, but whichever program is willing to pay the most to have them come to their respective location. A lot of these schools, such as Max, Mac teams are kind of, and and rightfully so using this as an opportunity to get the most for their, for their uh, athletic department.
0: Yeah. Um, just re- as a reminder, in 2024, Ohio State will play Southern Miss, uh, Western Michigan and Marshall. I know a lot of people think that's a garbage non-conference schedule, but that is also uh, very comparable to what Michigan had this year. Um, and then you've got the home and home against Texas the uh, The following two years. In 2025, you got Texas first in August. That's uh, in Columbus. Then Ohio University in and Connecticut. And I heard some grumbling and griping about Connecticut but again you're you're playing Texas and Ohio Ohio those are kids from Ohio will play very very hard obviously uh maybe overmatched but they'll be playing hard and then in 2026 Ball State and then the trip to Texas and uh, and then Kent State so again uh, two max schools in 2026 so uh, I have no problem with that kind of non-conference schedule you're talking about a team that's playing in one of the hardest and of course the divisions are going to go away we, but you're playing one of the hardest divisions in all of college football so there's no need to play you know alabama clemson and southern cal in the first three games or whoever you know what i mean
1: oh absolutely and don't forget southern cal is going to be a, a right. conference opponent uh but in all seriousness i agree with you like i said i think that the reason why I'm just usually when it comes to like the whole anti-FCS is that that's a that's a game that Ohio State is expected to win comfortably I mean you and I both know a lot of a lot of grumbling earlier this year from Ohio State fans like I can't believe Ohio State's playing these guys you know from Youngstown State and then when they don't win by you know 70 you know something points the fans are like see you know Ohio State's not that good and it just seems like you're kind of in a in a no win situation. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. You can't play a meat grinder of a schedule, especially as you as you accurately noted the dissolution of divisions within the Big Ten starting next year. The fact that the advent of the twelve team college football playoffs starting next year that there are loftier goals on the horizon. So you want to you want to start off. Getting an idea, I think, of where your team is, and I think that's where the the MAC team opponent in that first or second game really helps. Having a good quality non-conference opponent from one of the other uh, premier conferences is a good thing. Then the next thing you know, you're in in the Big Ten schedule, and as of this recording, we don't know what the 2024 schedule is. It should be sometime this month. I remember Gene Smith saying that probably going forward that they would probably be releasing the conference schedules on a yearly basis sometime in October.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, we haven't seen teams being penalized for soft schedules. uh, So there's really no reason to play the biggest and baddest teams out there right now. Right. We, I can only hope with a 12 team,
1: playoff that that is going to be a consideration like you said we haven't seen any kind of penalty unfortunately but that's the kind of thing where i would hope that more and more uh teams are penalized if they load up on i'm just gonna say a heavy diet of cupcakes um that i think you should you should reward those teams not necessarily, you know, that you want to make it impossible. You don't want to, you're not going to make the playoff if you're seven and five. Yeah. Um, but, you, you know, like, I think there's a big difference between a team that goes 10 and two that had a decent non-conference as well as conference schedule versus a team that went, you know, 12 and 0 and played, like you said, you and I both said, you know, three cupcakes in their non-conference.
0: Yeah. So uh, I'm interested to see how, uh, you know, how things sort of, shake out once we see a couple of these big 10 schedules, uh, without divisions and figure out what, you know, what their, what their setup is going to be. I'm, I'm interested to check that out. So, uh, but some new teams, it's never bad to see new teams come to Ohio stadium that, I mean, we've, we've seen just about everybody over the years.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, it, it, I want to, that's one thing that whoever is named Gene Smith's successor Uh, because we're going to, you know, we have less than a year, uh, that whoever the new athletic director is that maybe that will be a a piece of advice that Gene Smith will give to his successor is look, you want to, when it comes to scheduling, you want to make it competitive, but not impossible. And because I, like you said, I think it's, it's, it's a good thing for Ohio state fans. It's a good thing for college football to have. I mean, we're still talking about Ohio State going on the road last week to Notre Dame. Uh the national media is still talking about it. Uh, you know, like you just said, you know, Ohio State looking forward to having Alabama come up, you know, here in a few years, playing Texas in a few years. That's great for college football.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I love it because they I mean, for how many years these SEC teams don't tend to travel in the in the non-conference you know the, the the bigger teams in the sec don't tend to go anywhere they tend to play fairly easy games at home get a lot of a lot of points get a lot of backups on the field uh get some underclassmen some minutes and snaps and um you know ohio state has at least shown a willingness for quite some time of going out and getting a good quality home and home opponent and um you know there's 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 nothing wrong with either of those, depending on uh, how how it's being treated in the overall landscape of college football. So, um, you know it it's interesting. I always I always like to see some different schools, but I always like to see the marquee matchups as well. You know, you know, you, you could probably count on like game day being at Ohio State, Alabama, uh, one of those two years.
1: Oh, certainly. Yeah. I mean, I was I was pleasantly surprised. I just referenced the Notre Dame game. I was pleasantly surprised that ESPN, ESPN College Game Day, even though the game was going to be at Notre Dame, which meant it was on NBC, that ESPN College Game Day went there. Uh, So, uh, to me, I thought that was that was a sign of, let's just say, good faith, because the negotiations are ongoing in terms of what the college football playoff is going to look like. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know that ESPN is going to have the exclusive rights for the first two years, but that's part of what's going on is that with the, with the 12 team playoff, the committee that's working on it, you know, trying to see, well, are we going to open this up for multiple broadcast partners or is, is ESPN going to get to run with it all?
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, one more little thing to talk about. Uh, Saturday, Ohio state had a D commitment. We are not uh, recruiting experts. We don't claim to be, we don't, uh, we don't have the time. Who has the time, honestly, to uh, to follow all that? But uh, some of the folks at Land Grant Holy Land have the time to do it, and they enjoy doing it. But Mark Knave, a, um, a, uh, a three-star offensive line commit, uh, decommitted on uh, Saturday. And so uh, that opens up a spot for someone else.
1: It does. And uh, best wishes to that young man. Um, obviously, when it comes to uh, – recruiting i i i'm always of the opinion that you should never make a commitment until you are ready to to do so i i believe i read on social media uh in his decommitment that he i think the way that he kind of expressed that he had maybe rushed the process and that's fine you're you're allowed to change your mind Mm -hmm. um and i think you know as i said a moment ago best wishes to him and i have every confidence in ohio state that they will find a player comparable or just as, you know, comparable or better uh, to fill that spot on the offensive line, because obviously that's a priority position when it comes to recruiting.
0: Absolutely. All right, Chip, we, uh, we of course have our preview of Ohio state against Maryland, Ohio state, uh, I believe a 21 point favorite. Am I correct in that? Might be, it might be. 19 but may uh, you could be you might be, may have be maybe they opened as a 21 point favorite yeah maybe they so might have opened yeah a little bit after the maryland's win i don't know but uh we've got uh we've got our key uh, our picks to click our we're gonna have our score predictions for that we've also got a special guest to talk about uh, that a little bit with us we're gonna of course take our usual weekly walk through the other big 10 results as uh, we don't have an Ohio State game to recap, but we will keep our eye on it and what's going on throughout the Big Ten. And uh, why don't we get to all of that stuff right after this? All right, joining us on the Silver Bullets podcast, we're very happy to have with us the deputy editor of Testudo Times. Andrew Chodas is with us. Andrew, thanks for your time.
2: Oh, well, of course. How are you guys?
0: Doing well. Yeah, we're doing okay. We're, we're, we we had to suffer through a bye week, but uh, (laughs) it gave us an extra week to savor that win over Notre Dame. So that's good. But uh, but now it's a straight shot. We got to, we got to the gauntlet through the rest of the season. And of course, that starts this coming weekend against Maryland Terrapins, who uh, are off to a great start. So um, just, wanted to start off by getting a, a basic overview f- from you on the Terps. What is working well for the Terps and what would you like to see improved for this team to be able to, uh, you know, to really make a uh, make a special season out of 2023?
2: Yeah, I think a lot of the discussion coming into the season was if they can get to this 5-0 and mark, they have the chance to probably have one of their best seasons in recent memory over the past really five, ten years it's been. They, they'll have a 2-0 start, 3-0 start, and then they come into play one of Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and the season kind of falls apart. Um, offensively, with Talia Tagovailoa, they've had a lot of success. But again, this is the part of the season where we kind of see him try to maybe do a little bit too much. Maryland suffers one big loss. But they've gone to that 5-0 mark, which is the first time they've been able to do that since 2001. Early in the season, they had some slow starts that were haunting them. They've kind of cleaned that up in the past few games. So I think it's going to be a really interesting matchup. I think that if Maryland can keep it close early, it's going to be a competitive game. But of course, Ohio State, one of the best teams in the country, by far the toughest team Maryland uh, will, ha- will have played at this point in the season.
1: All right. So, Andrew, something you just mentioned and the fact that Maryland is 5-0, and but they're unranked and just between you and Michael already knows this, just between us, I'm not a big fan of of the polls. Um, especially the early season polls, but considering how closely Maryland played Ohio state last year, uh, they're putting up better. Maryland has put up better than 31 points a game in every game that they've, they played so far this season and, and they're unranked, you know, and they're, even though they're undefeated, do you believe that coach Mike Laxley is going to use that for motivation, you know, going into this game at Ohio state?
2: So after the Indiana game I that was the exact question I posed him I said you know this is the first five days our since 2001 what do you think the national narrative and he told me Fallon, I don't care what the national media thinks of us and you know they came in today with an unofficial rank of number 26 a team like Louisville who barely beat Indiana just by a touchdown came into number 25 um a Fresno State team is there as well provided they won I think 15 games in a row I don't really think Just the way the message is internally, I think it's a lot different from previous years where it seems like they really were fighting. Let's just get to four now and then see what, what takes us. I think they have more of an internal belief of we can, we can win one of the three games against Michigan, Ohio state, Penn state. Can they do that? I don't know. I think it's very possible. I think Ohio state might be the toughest of those matchups purely because they're on the road for that. But Media-wise, poll-wise, again, like you said, early season polls, they don't really mean much, especially when you have all these SEC te- teams that, you know, the the argument is, oh, just because they, they've had a tough schedule, whatever, even if they have two, three losses, they'll stick in there for now. And I think it's not until you get to your week seven, your week eight, when the playoff committee comes out, we really have to take the, those polls seriously.
0: Well, you know, feel free to go ahead and beat Penn State and Michigan. Yeah. <laughs>
2: We would, we would have no objection. Yeah. Have we're, our we're, blessing. we're fine
0: with that. You can just go ahead and be both of those teams. That'd be fine. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, uh, you know, everybody knows about uh, Talia Tungvaloa, but, you know, you can't just do it with a quarterback. You have to have other players uh, around him to make a good offense. I wanted to yeah. talk about the rushing game for Maryland, what it looks like this year. Roman Hemby seems like, He's the uh the the front runner there and and getting the bulk of the carries, but he's not the only one contributing. Tell us a little bit about that running back's room.
2: Uh had a great start to the season. Roman Hemby Roman Hemby did. Past few weeks, he's taken a step back. Um basically his yards were carried almost cut in half. Loxley did mention that he's been nursing a little bit of a, of a lower body injury. They're not exactly sure what uh what that is. So the rushing attack is kind of diminished a little bit in the past uh, in the past few weeks uh colby mcdonald the backup back he's actually out yarded him being in that time he's kind of coming into a role a role of his own they like to use a guy antoine littleton in kind of more short yardage situations but for the first few weeks it was kind of there's going to try to run over teams and then for the past two weeks once they've entered big 10 play offensive coordinator josh gavis has really emphasized we're gonna air raid pass the ball and they really succeeded in that putting up 31, putting up 75 points in those two games to open Big Ten play. So looking at the past two weeks, some question marks definitely there regarding the run game and the health of Roman Hemby. I want to switch it over to the defensive side
1: of the ball uh, because, again, something that Michael and I uh, have discussed on previous podcasts as it relates to Ohio State, and that is the Ohio State offensive line is still, in my estimation, still kind of gelling and Kind of developed some, some cohesiveness, considering there are three new starters. And when I look at Maryland, it looks to me like Caleb Wheatland mm-hmm. would, based on by, based on what I've seen. Would you agree that that he might be the biggest pass rush threat for the Terps that Ohio State the offensive line
2: needs to be concerned about? Uh, up there, but not number one. Uh, number one is Jay Shawn Barham, uh, leader of the defense, sophomore backer. He did, so he was questionable if the game against against Indiana did not end up dressing. If he's not able to play against Ohio against Ohio State, whatever Ohio State's offense would do to Maryland, which is a lot, they're gonna do that much more. Uh, he is the he is the glue of, of of that defense. The secondary we can talk about a little later because they've been taking the ball away at some pretty ridiculous numbers to start the season. Right now, Maryland is second in the Big Ten in interceptions, top 10 nationally. I mean, takeaways, four straight games with a pick, but I'm saying the glue to the defense, the guy that needs that for the pass rush. When you, ask, you have an offense like Ohio State, nothing like Maryland has played so far this season. It's Jay Sean Barham, who, as he showed last year during his freshman campaign, is one of the best linebackers in all of the Big Ten. So that's it. Another like like Hemby, right? Another health unique kind that needs to be monitored is him and also Tarheep still in the secondary left the Indiana game as well. So two leaders on the back end for Maryland. We're probably going to have a questionable status coming into Ohio State.
0: Andrew, I'm going to flip you back over to the offensive side of the ball. <laughs> that's
2: what the offensive line, I feel like. I,
0: like I am. Um, I'm interested because uh, you, you mentioned the, how pass happy Maryland's been uh, the last few games, but uh, Ohio State it, clearly, Maryland's a better team than Western Kentucky is, but the way Ohio State handled defensively that style of offense, does that give you any concern at all about Ohio, about Maryland's ability to move the ball through the air against uh, a team that has been playing pretty well against the pass, and especially Denzel Burke, who seems to have really found himself this
2: year? Yeah, uh, if, if, if Tagovailoa has time, he he likes to get out of the pocket and make plays, but not when he's rushed. He needs a few seconds, and Maryland's offensive line, to be frank, has struggled. They struggled against a team like Charlotte even Virginia in the opening half, Michigan State in the second half. You have four new starters on that line. You know, FCS, Community College, uh, Juco guys that have transferred over. Ohio State is going to be a different animal uh, for the Maryland offensive line. I think I think they're going to struggle early. I think they're going to struggle often. And I think it's going to come down to Talia Tagamaloa having to make plays with his feet, finding receivers in stride, because the traditional offense that they've tried to do the past two games, it's not going to work against Ohio State's front, in my opinion. So we're very very concerned about Maryland's offensive line as are 99% of of Maryland fans.
1: (laughs) So what my question was going to be, and we can, we can go on either side of the ball for this one, whatever, whatever your preference would be is if you could give us, you know, an underrated or like maybe a sleeper player Mm -hmm. offensively or defensively that you know, per, obviously, you know, like when it comes to like Tal- Talia Tagovailoa, like that's a that's a name that Ohio State fans obviously know. But like if, if there's a player offensively or defensively that you would characterize as underrated sleeper whatever that, hey, this is somebody to keep an eye and ear out for uh, when the, when the game kicks off.
2: Yeah, I'll start offensively. I'll, I'll go Caden Frather, uh guy transferred in from West Virginia. There was kind of some talks in the offseason that he was looking good. I know media went to some practice. I was like, wow, that guy can really play. And after the first game, he immediately became Tiger Vailoa's num- n- number one target. Receptions, yards, touchdowns, leads in all those categories outside of tight end, uh, Corey Diceus. And on the defensive side of the ball, I'll go back to the secondary that's played really, really well. And I'll go Bo Braid. I don't know if he's necessarily the most underrated guy, but I think he's probably one of the most dangerous guys uh, in, the, in the secondary Maryland's call player, you know, kind of leads everything that uh, they do on the back end. Has had a couple takeaways, had two picks in a game a few games ago. So it's Tar Heap still on the defensive side of the ball and then wide receiver Kaden Prayther on the offensive side of the ball are two guys who are, you know, who can, can really be game breakers.
0: Andrew, before we let you get out of here, um I'm curious as to what you think the key matchup of this game will be. Where do you think uh where do you see this game being won won and lost on Saturday?
2: in the trenches because Ohio state is significantly more skilled on, on both sides, on both sides of, of the line. The Maryland is experience wise, skill wise. They're just more dominant. And and they've shown that in the first, well, for you guys, four games of the season for us five.
0: All right. Uh, you, you see any, um, maybe pulling out any tricks defensively to be able to, uh, to cause confusion on, on that Ohio state offensive line.
2: It's going to be tough uh, for, for Maryland, but again, they, where they've made most of their plays has been in the secondary. So so far this season defensively, they have I believe it's eight interceptions um, through five games. I think that if I think that if Ohio State can get out to an early lead, kind of pound the one game, and then maybe you know throw in a play action, and Marvin Harrison has three touchdowns, 150 yards, then the next thing you look at it, I think it can be a really dominant game for Ohio State. But if Maryland, I think if they can keep the score even early. I think it's going to be close, but I think if Ohio State scores on their first drive, makes a play, I don't think Maryland. I don't. Maryland has not had much experience playing from behind late in games, right? Every game they've played, they by the by the time the first quarter flips, they're kind of back in the game. They haven't really had to face adversity for longer than fifteen minutes. And Ohio State's a, a team that can definitely do that to them and put them in an uncomfortable position.
0: Andrew, do you have a? a uh, let's put your money where your mouth is. Do you have a score predictions for us on uh, for Saturday's game?
2: Hmm. Well, last year was 43 to 30, I believe, right? I think. Mm-hmm. I think sounds right. Score that sounds right. Di- that sounds right. I think like, uh, score difference-wise, I think it's going to be similar. I think it's going to be a little lower scoring than last year. I think Maryland's de- defense is a little more polished. I'll go – I will go 31 to 20, Ohio State.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, Andrew, where can people find you and your work online if they want to – learn more about the Maryland Terrapins in the, uh, in the build up to this game.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, you guys can Google Testudotimes.com. We'll have previews, columns, a game story, takeaways, everything uh, you'll need for Saturday's game.
0: All right. Andrew Chodas from Testudo times, deputy editor over there. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you coming on and telling us a little bit about the Terps.
2: Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you.
0: And we are back, and uh, once again, big thanks to Andrew Chotis of Testudo Times for uh, for coming on and uh, giving us a little bit of the four one one about the Maryland terrapins. Yeah, I thought
1: Andrew did a tremendous job giving us some insight about Maryland. Like I asked him, uh, I am of the opinion that this is going to be kind of you know one of those barometer games. Uh, I you know Andrew referred to it. I I am also of the mindset that. Maryland has played Ohio State very, at least when Ohio State has gone there, very, very closely. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they're five and zero, that I'm sure that within the Maryland program, they're looking at this as okay. Here's a a potential stepping stone in kind of rising up within uh, the Big Ten uh, arena to be considered one of the better teams. Uh, And so you know, here's a here's a tremendous opportunity for Maryland to pull off the upset in Ohio Stadium.
0: Yeah, let's not uh, let's not have that happen.
1: I agree. I right. agree.
0: Um, I'm against one. That's, uh, that's at least one against that. Uh. There's certainly. <laughs> All right, uh, Chip. Before we do talk a little bit more about that Maryland matchup, let's go through the other scores. And uh, Nebraska and Michigan played in uh, Lincoln, and it was uh, no contest there, as uh, Nebraska. Didn't look very good. I didn't get to watch much of that game, but I, I saw enough to know that Nebraska was not very good in that game. 45-7 Michigan.
1: It, that was, I, I just mentioned I used the term barometer. That's that's kind of for Nebraska for such a proud program with a, such a storied tradition. Uh, Nebraska fans can only use that game as, all right, we have a long way to go before mm-hmm. we can be come back to even getting into the glory days discussion, because like you said, it was never close. I mean, Nebraska averted a shutout in the final minutes of the fourth quarter. And if anything, Michigan had their way with Nebraska. I, I, if anything, I, I I think Matt rule now, he, he probably has a better understanding as to how daunting of a task that rebuild is going to be.
0: Yeah, he probably learned a lot about his football team, and he probably didn't like very much of what he learned, I'm guessing, um, on (laughs) on Saturday. Uh, Penn State went to Northwestern, and this game was a struggle for the Nittany Lions for the first half. That thing ended 10-10 at the the break, and um, Penn State didn't take a lead until the third quarter, but then they cruised to a 41-13 victory. I I don't think that this is a, a... necessarily a a performance by Penn State that was um they weren't taking I don't think they were taking Northwestern lightly I don't think Northwestern was just playing that well in the first half I just think Penn State went to the uh, central time zone and it took them a little bit longer to get going than normal
1: That's entirely possible I know that Penn State that they have a bye week they they are going to be playing against UMass before they before they Come to Ohio State on October 21st, which will be a huge game. It will be one of the biggest games of the college football season. So, Penn State should be undefeated coming into Ohio Stadium. As for Northwestern, I think that that they're trying to see what works. It's they they came uh, they were coming off of a. Uh, surprising overtime victory against minnesota mm-hmm. um you know no i don't think anyone really gave them an opportunity to or uh, the belief that they would possibly win against penn state but i think northwestern's trying to be as competitive as they possibly can be
0: yeah they're they're not gonna just lay down for teams they they may end up looking like they just laid down for teams but um, because the talent just isn't there but uh they they got the surprising win over Minnesota, as you said, but and then hung around for a while with Penn State, made people raise their eyebrows for half the game, and then uh, and then it was pretty much business as usual. Speaking of Minnesota, Minnesota trailed at halftime but did manage to snap their two-game losing streak and beat Louisiana at home 35-24, to uh, pulling away in the second uh, half, uh, outscoring Louisiana uh, 21-7 to after halftime.
1: Yeah, Minnesota is one of those teams that, I guess, based on their previous performance over the last few years, I thought that they would be better than they are. Uh, The fact that they're kind of having these struggles against Louisiana, the fact that they gave up such a huge lead last week and lost to Northwestern, I think anything, hopefully the Golden Gophers get it figured out because if they want to be a factor in the Big Ten West, I, I think the, the time is now for them to kind of stand up and, and figure out what kind of team they have.
0: Yeah, it's very it's been a very curious season so far for uh, for that group, the uh, Golden Gophers. Uh, Maryland hosted Indiana and had no trouble with the Hoosiers. 44-17 was the final. It was 27-3 at the half. It was over with before halftime. So the Terps taking care of the Hoosiers much easier than Ohio State did, but Ohio State had to go on the road Ah, uh, with the new quarterback, Maryland always plays better at home, uh, especially with uh, Talia tonga who has who's been like two different quarterbacks at home and on the road. But uh, e- easy win for the Terps to go to five and zero.
1: And Indiana, like you said, uh, they they played much better against Ohio State in the than than they did against Maryland. I will say that Indiana. I think it, it this season is is going to be possibly brutal. It, it's the only adjective I can come up with. They've already fired. They fired their offensive coordinator Walt Bell um, as a result of this loss. Uh, they've promoted from within Rod Carey, who was an, uh, was a quality control assistant, I believe, uh, to take over the offensive coordinator duties. But that's never a good sign when you're firing coaches in season uh, when you're when you're trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work offensively, considering Ohio state has played them, Indiana still has a number of big 10 East games to play, including Michigan, including Penn state. So it might, it might be a, a really rough way for the, for the Hoosiers to to finish up 2023 as, as a continuing conference play.
0: Yeah. Firing an assistant there feels a lot like putting a bandaid on a gushing chest wound. Yes um it's it's tom allen's time i think (laughs) yeah i mean
1: and the thing is they have and if you're indiana we we kind of talked about that in the season opener podcast is if you're indiana do you swallow your pride and reach for your checkbook for that hefty buyout because that's basically what it would cost yep to to move on and i i'm i'm not judging i'm just Curious. I'm not sure if Indiana has that devotion and commitment to the football program to to write out such a hefty check.
0: Yeah, we'll see. A lot of times what happens is the, you know, the high dollar alumni get upset, get up in arms. And then the president of the school says, well, what do you want us to do? He's got a big buyout. We can't really do anything. Hint, hint. And then the uh, then it's actually the boosters and the the alumni that write the check to to send the coach packing.
1: And I realized you know, Tom Allen had some, some good teams, some competitive teams that, that pushed Ohio state. There was always this suspicion. Was he riding on the coattails of the foundation of what Kevin Wilson had built? And I think it's fair to say that those, those questions are, are justified when you see that the product on the field or the lack of product on the field,
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, unfortunately for him, you know, you lose a guy like Michael Penix decides to transfer out and that, that definitely uh, affects the, you know, the point spread in these games to some extent, Uh, a a player of his caliber could certainly keep them in games and, and make things close and even win some close games uh, here and there. But um, yeah, Indiana is in trouble. Uh, Speaking of trouble, uh, not, not good for Burt this weekend as uh, they go to Purdue and get blasted 44-19. It was a close game at the half, 16-13. And then Purdue had a big third quarter, 21-0 third quarter for the Boilers. And uh, now Burt's team is sitting at 0-2 in Big Ten play.
1: Yeah. And when you think about Purdue, Ohio State has to play them in a, in a couple weeks. This is one of these things where you kind of wonder, all right, was it the familiarity, you know, considering that Purdue's new head coach used to be the Illinois defensive coordinator, you know, the familiarity with the Illinois you know, offensive tendencies did that help or is Purdue turned a corner, but yeah, like Illinois, it, it's, it's one of these things where you kind of rapidly approaching gut check time because like you said, they're own two, uh, you know, within, within the, within the big 10 and, when you have such a competitive division within the Big Ten West, you, you can't continue to lose ground like the Fighting I
0: are. And I don't know where Illinois goes from here. If if, if Brett Bielema is not the guy, who's the guy? Well, I, I'm not ready to push that
1: panic button yet. I think mm. Brett Bielema, he, I think he was the beneficiary of the fact that uh, a lot of Uh, experienced players that, that stuck around. Um, I think he also brought in players, you know, for transfer portal and, you know, at quarterback and things like that, Uh, you know, kind of like, so like the older players transfer portal. So I think he's, he's definitely improved that program, but to your point, yeah. I mean, if they were to say, you know, after, you know, like maybe another couple of years that are kind of substandard, where do you go? Because, They've tried a little of everything. They mm-hmm. tried Lobby Smith. They've tried, you know, Bielema. You know, it's not as though that there's some uh, former Illinois a- assistant that is now doing tremendous work at another institution. So, mm-hmm. like you said, it would that would be a tough that would be a tough thing to figure out.
0: Yeah. Bielema seemed like a good fit for this particular Big Ten school, but things are not uh, going well. They're getting you're getting worse instead of better, and uh, that speaks to recruiting and and developing players, and that's that's not good. Um, Rutgers played a non-conference opponent at home, Wagner, and Rutgers had no trouble with Wagner beating uh, beating poor Wagner, poor guy, uh, beat him forty-two to th- fifty-two to three, and uh, never a contest It was twenty-four-three at halftime, and and Rutgers scored double-digit points in all four quarters.
1: So Wagner is one of those FCS opponents that I was kind of, you know, saying (laughs) that that I would never want to see Ohio state play, but and I realized that this is a a double standard here. I understand why Rutgers has them on the schedule. We talk about this all the time when we're trying to project how the divisions are going to shake out that Rutgers. All right. Now they're at four and one. Mm -hmm. So Rutgers now they have to be, thinking all right then certainly they want to get more than six but they have to be thinking all we need is you know two more wins Yep, we're going to a bowl and that's the challenge that they have in the present big 10 division that they are in considering they still have to play ohio state they i mean they obviously their their loss was to michigan but they still have to play uh penn state maryland you know so the fact that they have opportunities within not only the big 10 East division opponents but other big 10 opponents that they can find two more wins to get them to that magic number of 6.
0: Yeah, and we talked about that uh, in our in our predictions. We talked about the the how the how important that Indiana Rutgers game in Bloomington is going to be. And Rutgers is looking more and more like they are going to steamroll Indiana, but you know, you know, you never know what happens till they they kick the ball off and you see. But uh, if Rutgers can win that, they need one more and I wouldn't have thought before the season that Michigan State was a possibility, but Michigan State is certainly a possibility for Rutgers to get a sixth win. I agree completely. Speaking of the Spartans, uh, Sparty went to Iowa. A couple of teams, you know, coming off some losses, uh, smarting a little bit. And the Hawkeyes got better. Uh, and Michigan State did not. A 26 16 win it wasn't a clean win for Iowa, but. They managed to get the victory. It was uh, 10-9 at the half, and uh, they outscored the Spartans 13-0 in the uh, fourth quarter to pull away. But uh, I don't think Hawkeye Nation is excited about that win based on how tight it was and, and how difficult it was, and it shouldn't have probably been that tough.
1: Right. I I guess if if I was an Iowa fan, I'd be looking at this with kind of some suspicion as to how the rest of the season is going to go considering uh you know they have games you know against minnesota against wisconsin you know that that are going to determine who's going to win that division um as for michigan state they played better this is the the the, uh, the firing of mel tucker is now an official act by uh michigan state university now that, but um that's going to get, that's going to be ugly. Um, As Andrew Brandt uh, likes to tweet on, uh, you know, on Twitter, he's like, there will be lawyers um, whenever there's a a firing. Uh, The fact that Mel Tucker is not going to go gentle into that dark night. Uh, You know, there's going to be a lot of name calling and a lot of, I I think just a lot of airing of dirty laundry. Um, So remains to be seen how Michigan state the rest of their season goes this uh the speculation about who could possibly be the next head coach is already in full swing you know it's it's just going to be a, I think a, a very difficult next couple of months for up in east lansing
0: yeah and uh trouble for um iowa in that game i wasn't able to watch that game i was actually at a soccer game saturday night but um uh, Cade McNamara getting carted off with a leg injury, uh, probably not great news for the Hawkeyes either.
1: No. Offensively, Iowa, they they continue to have their struggles. Uh, they won. Iowa won. Big surprise on the strength of defense and special teams, which has served them well. But kind of what I mentioned a few moments ago, that when you have games within your division that will determine, you know, who, who wins the division, you're gonna to need to, to be just a well-rounded team and unfortunately Iowa is not even close to being that at this at this stage of the
0: season. Yeah, I wonder how much of it has to do with a guy named Brian. I have no doubt. I have no, I have no <laughs> doubt. It's not like they're not a decent recruiting team that they they've developed a ton of, of uh, fantastic tight ends and offensive linemen. so they've got building blocks in place but they just don't have an offense. And so defensive special teams will keep them in the big 10 West race, but to be a great team, you have to, you have to be good in all three phases.
1: Right. And unfortunately they, they just cannot seem to put it all together. They just can't.
0: All right, Chip, anything uh, stick out to you uh, from this week's slate? uh, Has Ohio state enjoyed a weekend off?
1: I would just say that, you know, the the
0: bye week came at a
1: good time for Ohio State, and with all respect to their conference brethren, that I can only hope that as the bye weeks come for these other teams within the conference, that they use these weeks wisely to get healthier, to work on fundamentals. The the, the challenges or issues that are impacting their respective teams, because. Here's, here's where it starts to get interesting. I, I know that I mentioned earlier about Penn State playing UMass. So, I mean, there are going to be some weird sprinkling of non-conference games, I'm sure, throughout the rest of the season. But from here on out, it's it's basically who's the best within, right now, the, the division system, East versus West. And whoever can can win, it, you get a trip to Indianapolis to determine the conference championship.
0: Yeah. All right, Chip, Maryland looms on the schedule next. And uh, I don't know if you've looked recently, but Maryland right now sitting 15th in the country in scoring offense compared to Ohio State, way down at 38. That obviously means Maryland's better. I wouldn't say obviously, <laughs> obviously is,
1: is kind of, that might be a little subjective. I okay. would say that I think that I would agree with the statement that, that I, that, excuse me, Iowa, I, uh that Maryland has is definitely a, a, a good offensive team. I'm not sure with relation to Ohio state we'll see on Saturday and we'll see throughout the remainder of the season, how the two teams stack up.
0: Yeah. Uh, but uh, obviously Maryland's off to a very good start. Some of that has been related to some of the teams that they've played, but uh, at the same time, you know, you you play who's in front of you. So uh, they've they've done well when it comes to that. Uh, Now, if you want to talk about defense, Ohio State has the nation's number two scoring defense, uh, allowing 8.5 points per game. Maryland is 16th, so again, very respectable position for the Terps, allowing 13.2 points a game.
1: And again, I, I think Maryland has has improved on that side of the ball. Uh, Ohio State, I, they have, I mean, the, the, the best team that Ohio State has played was against Notre Dame, and it came down to the final play, and, and Ohio State won. Um, you know, the, the mere fact that... Uh, you know, Maryland has their opponents have been Towson, excuse me, Towson, Charlotte, Virginia, Michigan State. And we talked about the challenges that they're having and Indiana. So offensively, you know, I'm not really sure how good those teams are. But yeah, I definitely think Maryland has improved on the defensive side of the ball.
0: All right. So, Maryland, obviously, when it comes to stopping them, you got to stop Talia Tonga who is a has been there for 17 years i believe is that correct
1: that sounds about right yeah. that sounds about
0: right uh he is uh currently has 1464 yards passing on the season already uh completing 60 almost 66% of his throws and has 13 touchdowns to go against only three interceptions the key chip to beating maryland is to stop taga
1: I would agree with that. I think the passing game is first and foremost, if you can make Maryland one dimensional, and that is not meant with any disrespect to the Maryland running game, but I, I mean, their bread and butter is the passing game. If you mm-hmm. can, if you can apply pressure. If you can cause a lot of incompletions that lead to three and outs, I think that that bodes well for Ohio state winning this game.
0: Yeah. So you're going to, probably Denzel Burke's uh, continued uh, fantastic season would be a a welcome sight if he can continue to lock down his side of the field. Uh, That means they're going to have to try to pick on Davison, and and then pick up some stuff underneath to the tight ends and backs and uh, and the slot receiver. So really, again, um, those are areas that Ohio State has shown some vulnerabilities against uh, in this season so far, but generally they've made adjustments and they've not been hurt too badly in that area.
1: They haven't. And I think that what you just said about the underneath area, that's, that's something that Ohio state needs to needs to focus upon, not just because it's Maryland, but I think just for upcoming opponents, because let's face it, Ohio state is some of the upcoming opponents that I referenced, uh, not just in, in October, but in November, the stretch run, um, you have a lot of upcoming opponents that like to use their tight end as a key part of their offense. So Ohio State being able to figure out uh, what works in terms of limiting the underneath routes, uh, regardless of whether you're going to use a linebacker, if you're going to use, uh, you know, maybe uh, Jordan Hancock, you know, in that in that nickel corner slot, whatever it might be, that might be something that hopefully we'll, we'll get a better idea as to how Ohio State defends that.
0: Yeah, the, I, w- I would expect to see Steel Chambers dropping into coverage more in this game and that kind of thing. But um, the, for me, the, the important thing for Ohio State on Saturday will be the defensive line has to play like an offensive line in that they have to collapse the pocket while not leaving creases for Tonga Vailoa to escape because the, he can be extremely dangerous with his legs or throwing the football on the run or just buying a little bit extra time by escaping the pocket. If you keep the pocket uh, around him and make him feel uncomfortable, even if you're not getting to him, you can kind of do what Ohio State did to Sam Hartman a little bit and, uh, and make him uh, make him hear things that aren't there, maybe, maybe make him throw just slightly off, maybe a little earlier than he wants to. That's going to be important, not to leave creases for, for him to escape. And we've seen this team, this defense, sometimes not, be able to do that sometimes not be able to to paper over those holes and and leave a gap Uh, sometimes jack sawyer gets too far up the field Uh, occasionally jt gets too far up the field on the other side but uh, they're going to have to work as a unit to even if they can't get to the quarterback to at least sort of push that wall and and sort of surround him and make him feel like uh, somebody might break free and grab him at any moment
1: and let's not forget about the emergence of players on the interior defensive line that like Tyleek Williams, who had a strong game against Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that there's always a lot of, will he be show up and be dominant? Uh, kind of a question for, for Mike Hall, but here's kind of an opportunity, not only for, like you said, for the perimeter defensive ends to kind of box him in, but also for the interior defensive line, because how is, is not the, I mean, he's like you said, he's, he's mobile, but he's, not that he's not that tall. I mean, he's about six foot tall. So I think if you can make it, like you said, if you have a, a, a pocket that is collapsing around him, make it a little more difficult for him to not only escape, but also to even see, mm-hmm. I think that just makes it a lot more difficult for that Maryland passing game to
0: flourish. Yeah. I and mean, if you can't get to the quarterback, get your hands up in those passing lanes, that's uh mm-hmm. that's another key I think for this game. And it's, um, you know, Andrew Jota said that, you know, they have concerns about their offensive line, the Maryland fans. So this might be an opportunity for that Ohio state defensive line to, to show that they can be a dominant force. They, they have kind of done that sporadically, but not sort of consistently. Uh, I thought Tyleek Williams, of course, had a great game against Notre Dame. Mike Hall was kind of okay. And, uh, and really, I didn't see anything from the defensive ends until the last two Notre Dame offensive plays, when JT Tuimolowao uh, suddenly emerged from nowhere, seemingly. Right, and and good good thing that he
1: did because it was absolutely crucial.
0: Indeed. All right, uh, Chip. the uh, The time has come for us to look in on the Ohio State roster and figure out who's going to click. Who is? Who are your picks to click against Maryland? We're going to start on the defensive side of the football. I'm
1: probably jinxing him, and I certainly don't mean to do that. I just referenced him, but I'm going to go with Tyreek Williams uh, simply because I think, as Andrew said, they have some challenges on their offensive line, and I think that Tyreek is kind of starting to feel what he's capable of, and I think just that that interior pass rush is going to have an impact on this game, so I'm going to go with Tyreek Williams for my pick to click on defense.
0: All right, my pick to click is going to be a little bit off the off the beaten path. I'm going to say that this is going to be maybe a game where we see a player who doesn't play every snap uh, come on and and flex a little bit and and start to work his way into more playing time. I'm going to go with Sunny Styles.
1: I like it. That's that's a good one. I, I think kind of what we talked about with the underneath. The uh, the passing routes being disruptive. Sonny Styles is is one of these guys that you c- I could see him not only in coverage, but I can certainly see him being brought up in run situations as almost like a third linebacker. I mean, he he can do it all. So uh, you know, in blitz packages, I
0: think Sunny Styles is an excellent choice. All right, on the offensive side of the ball, I'm going to uh, uh, I Maryland's. Secondary is usually pretty strong against Ohio State, but in Ohio Stadium, it's not always that way. So, I'm going to say uh, a young man who was a little banged up in the last game is going to be eager to uh, show what he can do. And that young man's name is Marvin Harrison Jr.
1: I understand it. Uh, Certainly, certainly respect it. I'm going to go with his counterpart, Emeka Ibuka, because of the fact that, yes, Marvin Harrison Jr., very talented. I know that Marvin Harrison Jr. is also probably eager to, to get out and show that he's not as badly hurt as Ohio State fans feared. Uh, but that being said, I also think Ameka Igbuka may use this as an opportunity to kind of show what he can do. So I'm going to go with him.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a perfectly logical reason. So, I'm I'm curious as to think, do you think Ohio State, we both picked receivers, do you think Ohio State will be able to run the ball effectively against Maryland's front?
1: I do. I'm certainly hoping that during the bye week that the coaches have finally finally realized, let's quit running to the short side, uh, but in all seriousness, also that they've also figured out what would be the optimal usage of Travion Henderson and Chip Trainum. They're both very talented. They both have unique skill sets that they can bring to the, the offense not to disparage uh to train as, as a uh, explosive runner. But let's face it. I think if there was a foot race, I think Travion Henderson would win that. Oh yeah. Convers- conversely. And maybe in, in one of the, I don't know, you know, not so difficult film sessions where you have third and one, instead of trying to bang Travion Henderson off tackle, Maybe we're going to give it to the guy that really, you know, can kind of serve almost as his own blocker and give chip train them those, those carries. So mm-hmm. to answer your question, I think, yes, that they will be able to run. And I'm, I'm leaning of the opinion that they are going to have kind of that. I don't want to call it a committee approach, but that they're going to both play uh significant minutes against the Terrapins.
0: Now, my hope is that uh, the film study over the last couple of weeks has gone really well for the offensive line. They did, uh, I thought a pretty good job against Notre Dame overall, so that was a probably a much better defensive front than they're going to see on Saturday uh, if they if they fix a couple of the issues that they had and they stop taking stupid penalties, uh, they should be able to run the football. I agree.
1: Yeah, I I mean Justin Fry is. I know that a lot of people are complaining about the recruiting, and this it's like you know he's. I think he's doing as as solid of a job not only with players that he inherited let's face it i mean kind of some some patchwork mixing and matching you know i mean how quickly have we forgotten all right josh simmons arrived on campus this summer because they looked at what they had on at offensive tackle and and i had suspected as much from the spring game that josh fryer yeah he's going to start but i think he might be better at right tackle so I keep going back to that—that that it's a—it's an area where they need to develop that cohesiveness, and I think they're getting there.
0: Yeah, e- exactly. All right, Chip. Uh, we talked offline with Andrew about our score predictions. Are you going to stick with what you told Andrew? Or are you going to uh, yeah. surprise me? What's your what's your score uh, prediction for Saturday?
1: I uh, we like you said off offline um I'm going to stick with 3521 I realized that the odds makers have I I was just looking to see as we're recording this I think Ohio State is an 18 point favorite so I realized that you know if you're the gambling type uh you know that Ohio State you know would not cover this spread I'm not the gambling type um I I think Maryland obviously is is coming in with something to, to prove, but I, I just think that Ohio state, especially at home um, has a little too much and they'll be able to, we were just talking about the running game. I think they'll have just enough to, to kind of keep the, keep the ball out of Maryland's hands and win by a couple touchdowns. All
0: right. I am going to go with a, um, the same score that I told Andrew, I'm going to go with Ohio state 38, Maryland 27, I think Maryland is a good offensive team, and I think this will be a tight game for a while. I expect Ohio State to pull away, and then maybe Maryland to add a touchdown late to make it a little closer score. That's kind of where I'm seeing this go, uh, and I think that Maryland will go on and have a, a quite a, a good season. I don't know if they'll beat Michigan or Penn State, but I think that they've got uh, a shot. Whereas in years past, I wouldn't have given them a shot.
1: I completely agree with that. I think. The fact that th- I think they get, I, I know for certain that they get Michigan at home. And I want to say that that's maybe the the week before Ohio State and Michigan play. So uh, we'll see what kind of state Maryland is in at that point. And I want to say that they play Penn State maybe, you know, at the beginning of November. So again, at home. We'll see I think that you I you I think you hit it on the head earlier that Maryland is always better at home the fact that they are gonna they're gonna be giving it their best effort against both of those teams And yeah, they certainly are, are a one of the better teams in the big Ten.
0: So big nude Saturday uh Ohio State will be hosting Maryland. You are correct the hosting of Penn State will take place November 4th. And Michigan will come to Maryland on the 18th. And uh, is that a trap game for, uh, for Michigan? It could be. I, 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 from what I said earlier this
1: season, I have not seen, and, and I realize, yes, they just put a, a beat down on Nebraska at Nebraska. I have not seen anything from Michigan that has me thinking that Ohio State cannot compete against the Wolverines. And I'm also the opinion that Penn state uh, is, I think a similar to to Maryland. I think Penn state having Michigan at home. Yes, it's a big noon game. um, And I know that that's frustrating to Penn state fans that they would love to have that whiteout atmosphere and make it difficult. I think that Penn state will be able to beat Michigan. And who knows, like if, if, You know Maryland has it in them to beat Michigan, but I I think that the pressure will be on Michigan, not Ohio State, for that season finale up in Ann Arbor.
0: All right. Well, Chip, we will come back next week. We will talk about the game against Maryland. We'll break it down, check in our score predictions and our picks to click, of course. And uh, as we always do, we'll take our look around the rest of the Big Ten results. We'll pass along any news, obviously, that uh, comes up between now and then. But uh, Ohio State, um, you know, we've we've got a game, a, a really probably one of the toughest games on Ohio State's schedule as far as the home games, and uh, we will we will then be getting prepared for the trip to Purdue, which uh, unexpected and crazy things sometimes happen in the uh, negative ionization of West Lafayette, Indiana, where those engineers are playing with the space-time continuum to keep the Boilermakers in games against Ohio State.
1: And yeah, I mean, when it comes to the announcement of kickoff, we'll see. I mean, I put it this way, the the intrigue around not only kickoff time, but what network, I mean, the Ohio State-Maryland game was originally rumored to be on Peacock, and Ohio State fans were all angered about the fact that, oh, I don't want to have to... Get another you know, streaming service for yeah. for one game, and
0: especially and not was a,
1: Peacock. Exactly. Well, <laughs> then it was announced. Then it's announced that it's going to be on Fox, and it's going to be on noon. And fans are like, "I can't believe it, another noon game." It's like, okay, there's just never any pleasing Ohio State fans. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see how this all
0: shakes out. There's look, learn to embrace the noon game. I mean, it it's gives there. You the, it it gives you the whole rest of the day to do other stuff.
1: It's not only that, it's like I wrote about this for Land Grant Holy Land. This is the first year of a seven year contract. And Fox, I'm not saying that they're right, I'm not saying that they're wrong. Fox has made the determination that they have contracts not only with the Big Ten, but with the Big 12. And when they look at their their okay, their inventory, for lack of a better word, and they see all right, this these are the games that we would like to play. And what or these are the games that we have available to us. And they, they, they're like, okay, we want to put our best product on at noon. All right. Sometimes, unfortunately for those people that are, are against the noon kickoff, sometimes that's, and a lot of times it's going to be Ohio state. I'm going to put it to you another way. Do you think that people out in Colorado were happy, you know, to be on at noon, considering that's not noon, that's 10 AM. Yeah. That's 10 AM out there. So, I, I understand that the frustration and the irritation, but trust me, it's the kind of thing where it, that's just the nature of these contracts that, that the big 10 has signed.
0: Yep. Uh, it's fine. Um, it, it is. It's like, yeah, it's great to have night games and stuff, but uh, actually this noon works out great for me this week because I've got a <laughs> commitment in the evening, so I can, I can keep that commitment. So uh, well, again, we'll be back next week. We'll talk about the Maryland game. We'll get ready for Purdue. We'll look through the other big 10 scores. Anything else you want to get off your chest before we get out of here?
1: No, if anything, um, again, just thanks to Andrew and best wishes to he and, uh, his colleagues who are making the trip mm-hmm. safe travels. Uh, thank you for coming on the podcast and, uh, hope you have an enjoyable time at Ohio state.
0: Yeah. And if you're going to the game, you're going to be down around the stadium. Even if you're not going inside and you're just tailgating and then going to the bars or whatever, be nice to the visitors. You don't have to be a jerk. Exactly. You know, it's a, uh, it's a game, it's a football game and uh, we all take it seriously, but uh, at the same time, be a good human and, um, and show some hospitality. I mean, have you ever heard anybody say anything bad about going to Nebraska for a game? No, no. If anything, I've, I've heard nothing but positive
1: things yeah. about the, the, the kindness of Nebraska fans.
0: Let's let's get that kind of reputation going. Let's not uh, let's let's bury the Ohio man, uh, you know, narrative and uh, and be nice to everybody. That's all that's all I'm saying. There you go. All right, Chip, where can people find you on the Internet? I can be found on
1: I'm going to keep calling it Twitter at Pitt Minnick, Last name is spelled M-I-N-N-I-C-H and look for an article. Three things to watch from Maryland appearing on Land Grant Holy Land. Sometime on Friday, I'm going to give obviously not only my score prediction, but also some things that I'm going to be keeping an eye and ear out for as it relates to the Ohio State Maryland game.
0: All right. You can uh, follow me on Twitter as well at Mike36Fan. You can follow the Silver Bullets Podcast on Twitter at Silver Bullets Pod without the E in silver, S I L V R Bullets Pod uh, on Twitter. Uh, you can write to us at silverbulletspod at gmail.com. And in that case, you do spell silver correctly. S-I-L-V-E-R-B-U-L-L-E-T-S-P-O-D at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, tell us how we're doing. Where do you listen to us from? Anything you want to drop us a line about, we'd like to, we'd like to hear from you. Uh, you can read my stuff at landgrantholyland.com. Every Monday, just before lunchtime. It's usually a grumpy old buckeye uh column that talks about all the things that just frustrated me or drove me crazy during the game. And even uh, that even happens when Ohio state wins by 50 or 60 points. Uh, There's, there's just no pleasing some people. Exactly. And uh, this week I won't have that. I'll have a regular column uh, of which I have, Uh, Not written it yet, Chip, but I do have a a topic in mind and I just need to double check that it has not already been taken so that I can do it for tomorrow uh, as we record this on Sunday night. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We will be back next week uh, with our regular uh, programming, maybe perhaps a guest to look forward to that Purdue game. And the only thing we have left to do is to say, go Bucks! Go Bucks!"